Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we bring to you this biblical sermon from Dr. Charlie Dates, preached at the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. We hope that it leaves you refreshed and inspired. If you're ever in Chicago on a Sunday, we'd love to have you in worship with us. Join now. This message already in progress. I don't want to labor long this morning, but I want to turn your attention to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 6. Book of Judges, chapter 6. Very familiar, familiar passage of Scripture. I want to start at verse 11. Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. I need the oath. I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me. sing it. I need the oh, I, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, and now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites? And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely, surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. For these brief moments that we share together, I would like to speak from the theme, you've been chosen for this. You've been chosen for this. 
Oh, how God uses the unlikely to do extraordinary things. It was December 1st, 1955, when a woman by the name of Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks refused to give her seat up to a white passenger. In response to Mrs. Parks' refusal, she was arrested for breaking a segregation law in the state of Alabama. December 5th, a mass meeting was held at a black church in Montgomery. Maybe you were on that trip this summer that we took down to Alabama in the Host Street Baptist Church. But in a separate meeting held prior to the later meeting scheduled at Holt Street, a group met in the basement of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church that was then pastored by a new, young, vibrant young man. This meeting was set to make a decision who was going to be its leader and what the name of this mission was going to be, now known as the Montgomery Improvement Associations. They had plans to start a boycott in response to the injustice of the segregated South. And it is said in this meeting that history would never be the same again. The group voted this particular meeting that a 26-year-old minister who was only one year into his pastorate at the time would be its leader. Now, mind you, this is a young man, a couple of years my senior, who was chosen to lead this association one who had no ambition to seek any sort of leadership in this fashion, but birthed one of the most effective leaders, warriors for peace and nonviolence, scholars and thinkers of the 20th century, none other than the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Think about it for a minute. One year into his pastorate, 26 years old, not interested in the position. Perhaps somebody in the room had to think, is this the right guy for what we're trying to do? However, it was in the script that God had already written with no suggestions, with no substitutions. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., like many of us, we have to face the call of God that says, you've been chosen for this. The book of Judges, how peculiar is this book? It announces the death of Joshua and ending with the rise of Samuel, the great prophet. It was during this time that Israel was ruled by chosen leaders or judges with the responsibility of saving the children of Israel when met with oppression. If you look at the second chapter in verse 16, it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the power of those who plundered them. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about this book. Neither do I want you to be deceived by its name. I'm not talking about the judges that wear the long black robes or the ones that you see on TV during the daytime probably coming on tomorrow. Oh, don't act like you don't watch Judge Judy. I know you do. And Judge Joe Brown and Judge Greg Matthews. No, I'm not talking about those kind of judges. I'm talking about judges who were called by God to be a deliverer for people that were oppressed and that had made some faulty choices and continue to make faulty choices. In his book, The Politics of Jesus, Dr. Aubrey M. Hendricks Jr. says, 
what these judges had in common was their role as a freedom fighter. They were individuals who rose to uh, temporal power to assume political leadership when the freedom of people was threatened. They were willing. They were to bring justice to the oppressed. And they were also smooth. I don't want to frame my words in, in a way that gives any indication that Israel had put God first in everything they did because if you look at the history of this book, you will see that they did quite the opposite. It was a cycle. The cycle, Israel would disregard their covenant with God, which would result in their oppression by neighboring peoples. Eventually, they would see their wrongdoings. Then they would cry out for deliverance. God would hear their cry. He would raise up a leader in what we now know as a judge. But however, after a period would occur, Israel would get amnesia and the cycle would repeat. This kind of sounds familiar like some of us, right? God, if you just help me through this. i tell you one thing. I never knew how to pray until I had to take an algebra exam. I tell you, I prayed some of my best prayers in algebra class. See, I was fine with math until I saw letters in the equation. Now, that just, that just threw me for a loop. And I remember those, those deacons that used to start service. Some of us remember that. We used to have deacons that would do that. And they would say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I would sit there and pray that prayer and say, God, if you just help me through this. I promise you, as soon as I leave this exam, Deacon Ingram, it's good to see you, man. As soon as I leave this exam room, I'm going to go home and study, knowing good and well. And so the cycle would repeat. Hmm. However, because of their disobedience, God allowed them to endure the oppression. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. But after, between Judah, Deborah, Barak, Jabin, Israel once more, it did repeat this cycle. And for seven years, by the time we get to chapter, chapter 6, we see that the children of Israel had been under Midianite control. But I come to tell you something today, some good news. Amidst all the actual factual, I want to let you know today that when we see our plight, God still sees our potential. This nomadic tribe literally raided surrounding territories. If this was not enough, this group was joined by another group, the Amalekites and the people of East. And one of the tactics of control used to intimidate the Israelites' farmers was to deprive them of their crops. And I really want you to, to understand how uh, amazing this was in the sense was this was their food supply that was at stake. What a trick to let the blood, sweat, and tears of a people to plant fruits they would not eat. In those seven years, the Midianites would come through the area where the Israelites lived and sweep down destroying their produce and harvest. In other words, it sounds a bit like exploitation to me. And people that look like most of us in this room know all too well what it means to be exploited. 
But when God sees our potential, that surpasses the plight that we face. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord God of Israel, who will save us? Look at this. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, and he's in hiding, thinking that he's out of the way, thinking that he's just minding his black own business. <laughs> and he gets a tap on the shoulder by an angel that says, Oh, come here, man. I got a message for you. You are a mighty man of valor. Now, this setting is unusual because why would Gideon think that threshing wheat in a wine press was a good idea? I understand the harshness. I really, in my human sense, would probably do the same, go into hiding, right? But it's good to know this one thing. No matter where you find yourself, how far you try to run, how fast you try to run, you can't hide from God. Now, threshing wheat normally took place in a large open space. Toss the grain in the air, letting the wind blow away the chaff. And why would this brother be in this low place trying to do what he was instructed to do, to do his job in an unlikely place? Now, before there was TikTok and Instagram and virtual reality and all that good stuff, um, I can recall when we actually played games in person around the house. And that was a game that we used to call hide and go. You played it before. <laughs> the only difference about playing hide and go seek with my cousins in my great grandmother's house and playing hide and go seek with God is that God knew where I was going before I got to where I was trying to hide. I could get over on my cousins. I could get over on who was trying to seek me, but I can never and we can never get over on God and what God has chosen us to do, whether it wrecks our plans or not. In a tweet earlier this month, a New Testament scholar and friend of this congregation Dr. Esau McCauley wrote, maybe God is calling you to that thing that scares you because it will make your dependence on him. My strength will go away. My money may <laughs> go away as well. My place of employment is not guaranteed, but my hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus right. I wish I had a praying church. He woke us up this morning. He who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He who safely guided your car to this place of worship. He who allowed you to get that Starbucks this morning. He who put that little money in your pocket. He who protected you from danger seen and unseen. I'm talking about the ruler and maker of all things. And it's a wonderful thing that when people forget you, when people don't want to choose you, God still has crafted a custom-made project just for you that nobody can do it but you. He's created you for a purpose. The psalmist wrote, uh, Oh, where 
where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. God is too omnipresent to be lost. God is too omniscient to be surprised. God is too omnipotent to be weakened. Oh, I don't think you are convinced. Well, let me tell you about another brother by the name of Brother Jonah. The word of the Lord also came to Brother Jonah. And see, Jonah didn't even bother doing what Gideon did. Jonah got the call and said, let me go. And he made reservations for a cruise to flee from the Lord. And he thought on this Royal Caribbean cruise that he was just going to sail the sea and get out of doing what God was trying to do in his life. See, we think what God does through us is only for other people. What God does through us is for us too. What Jonah did, he didn't realize. <laughs> God already knew what he was up to. God sent a storm. And yes, he did get a cruise, but he got a different kind of cruise. He got a real cruise through the belly of a whale. All I'm trying to tell you is you can run. You got it. But I'm glad to know today that when we think our work is pointless, God still has a purpose. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us of? And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? Oh, can we just appreciate the honesty that Brother Gideon was conversing with God about. He said, God, if you want me to do this, why have you let my people suffer like Oh, God, you've heard our cries before, but why haven't you done something else? If the Lord is with us, how come people are coming against me? If the Lord is with me, how is it that I'm not catching a break? If the Lord is with us, why are evildoers and workers of iniquity seeming to rise to power? In popularity. God, why has all of this happened to us? Oh, but Gideon. Oh, young fellow, you don't understand. You have been chosen for this. Gideon fails to see himself as God sees him. We need to stop relinquishing our power to our circumstances to define us and start referring to the sixth chapter of Judges when you walk into that boardroom, when you have to go into that courtroom, when you are faced with that medical condition. What did the Lord tell Gideon? Go in this Thy might. So when we feel pointless, when we feel that God really don't know what he's doing, he still shows us that he has a purpose for our life. And I'm glad that God's eyes never turn from Gideon because then we see that when we feel pathetic, God gives us his presence. 
And he said unto him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Let me reintroduce myself to you, Lord. Maybe you've forgotten. I know you got a lot of people to keep up with, but let me run down my resume to you. I want you to look at me real good. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. That's low self-esteem. That's insecurity. But I come to tell you today that God is not deterred by what you don't have. You don't like me. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. If God be for us, who can be against us? You are the head, and you are not the tail. No weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. God told Gideon that day exactly what was about to play out. Before even Gideon went out to face this army, God had given Gideon the end result. He said, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Well, I'm glad that the story didn't end there because I would have taken it, but I think like you and I, when we face real life circumstances beyond the four walls of this place, we endure the everyday lived experiences that make us question, make us want to compromise our faith. And if God is really God, why has all of this happened to us? Well, I'm so glad that even in Gideon's doubt, in himself, and even in Gideon's doubt in the power of God, God never left his side. If the story had have ended there, I would have been left in the wind to blow whichever way it would go. But oh, I kept on reading. I kept on reading and I was blessed to find out that God kept his word. Not everybody that says that they will be with you when you face difficulties will really be with you in the heat of the moment. You'll look around and think, where are my friends? They told me they would be here when I faced this heated situation. But I come today to tell you that God is not scared of any situation. God has all power in his hands. And even though Gideon had to ask the Lord for a few more signs, Say, Lord, are you sure that you want me to do this? Are you sure you got the right man for the job? I look around, I've already ran down my resume to you, God. I don't have the education. I don't have the finances. I don't have the physical manpower. I came from a single parent home. I don't have the endorsements. I'm not a part of a long family lineage. But God told him to go in this, that might, and you should defeat the Midianites as one man. And I will be with you. Well, I'm glad to know that even though Gideon needed a few more signs, God still showed up sign after sign after sign after sign and after sign that's just displaying the process of our faith. Gideon said, Lord, are you sure that you want me to do this? I just don't know if I am the right man for the job. Well, he said, uh, I got some men for you that'll go with you. Uh, I looked at the men 
and I found out the men, it was just too many people that were involved in this battle. He said to Gideon, you got to get rid of some of them. Because if you don't get rid of some of them, they'll think that they were the sole power of their strength. And Gideon struck down some folks. He said, if you're scared, you can go on home. Well, I kept on reading, and God said, Gideon, before you get this thing started, there's still too many people on your side. So why don't you take them by the river? Let them get something to drink. And if they cup their hands when they sit, take those men with you. So he went from thousands upon thousands of men to only 300 men. So let me remind you about this situation. Number one, Gideon was in hiding. Number two, Gideon didn't think that he was the right man for the job. Number three, Gideon had to have a faith process that would intensify. But God did not leave him. He had to get some candidates that would go to battle with him. And then God said, hey man, you got too many people. Surely you got to get rid of them. Then he said to him, take these 300 men to go and fight this battle. And I just want to tell you today that there is strength in subtraction. The reason why you are in the place that you're in right now is you got too many people around you. Sometimes you just got to scoot to the left, scoot to the right, said, I need a little space for God to do what he's trying to do in my life. Oh, Lord. He said, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I heard a story about a mother who took a son to a family reunion. He grew up in a day when children had to be children and they couldn't hang under grown people. I think we ought to go back to that. They couldn't be under grown people participating in grown folks' conversations, trying to be something that they are not ready for. Every now and again, one of the grown folks of the family would walk into the room and check and see if the children were behaving. The mother of this kid came in to check in on her son, and her son was bragging to his big cousins, saying, guess what? My mama told me I'm a big boy now. My mama told me I'm a big boy now. I can walk to school all by myself. Ha, ha, ha. Look at me. You can't do what I can do. The mother just waited a little bit, and his cousin said, why? Why? Because every day I get up in the morning, I walk to school all by myself. He was seven years old. He said, and when school ends, I come back home all by myself. The mother just had it. She stormed in the room. She said, son, sit down. You ain't never been nowhere by yourself. When you go to school, I'll wait until you get to the corner, and then I'll get in my car and follow behind you when you go into the school building. And when you come out, I'll wait until you get to that stop over there, and i follow you back home. And I just come to tell you today, Progressive, you ain't never been nowhere by yourself. You think you all that and a bag of chips. You might be, you might look good, you might sound good, you might live in the best neighborhood, you might attended the best school, but you ain't never been nowhere by yourself. Oh my God. I gotta preach it like I feel it now. 
for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Dr. Charlie Dates, Senior Pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. For more information about our church, visit ProgressiveChicago.org. Progress is yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ.